guys fun. Well, good morning. How are we all? For those who I haven't met, my name's Daniel. I'm part of the team here, and I absolutely love this church. And um, yeah, I just feel really honored to be able to share with you this morning. Um, this morning, we're continuing in our series, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've been going through this, it's been a long series, but um, there's been so much gold come out of it, I feel like. I've really loved this series, just hearing from everybody else and hearing how they've interpreted, you know, whatever part of the, the Sermon on the Mount that they've looked at. Um, we've had Pastor Ryan share on, you know, week one was all about the Beatitudes, and we've also had people share on overcoming anxiety, how to deal with judgment in our lives, and uh, yeah, it's been really good. I encourage you guys, come out tonight. You know, the night services are a little bit different. We don't have praise and worship. It's, it's a teaching, almost like a, it's not a school lecture, but there's a lot of chance for interaction, and, um, and Aaron Batterham's preaching tonight, and um, I've seen what he's preaching on, and it's really cool. And, you know, if you haven't got any plans, come here. It's going to be a good night. Um, this morning, I'm going to be reading a section of Matthew 6, and I, my goal this morning is to get us maybe to look inwards at ourselves, look at our motives, and um, maybe just look at why we do things, and what we also, what we treasure. Uh, if I was going to give my message a title, I was thinking about this, and I'm denied over it a little bit, because I actually don't like this title, but it's, where's your heart at? And I know that gets thrown out way too flippantly in church sometimes. And uh, I've actually seen people hurt from people saying, you know, where's your heart at? So um, I don't mean to offend anyone or place any pressure on people, but I actually just felt that that was suitable for this morning. <coughs> um, I hope that by the end of this morning, you'll have a time to actually reflect on the state of your heart and have that moment with God and, and just let Him speak into you as well. Cool. All right, well, I'm going to be preaching from Matthew 6. So if you want to get your Bibles ready, um, I'm sure it'll be up there on the screen as well. And to give you a bit of context, the Sermon on the Mount is probably Jesus' most famous sermon. It runs over chapters 5, 6, and 7 uh, of Matthew. And in Matthew 5, Jesus teaches about the corrupt doctrines uh, and opinions of the scribes and Pharisees particularly with their, you know, their interpretations of the law and how they would um, put those interpretations on other people. And Jesus probably said, came in and said, well, actually, you need to be stricter than what you're saying. Um, you know, he gave the example of murder. You know, the law says, do not murder, but God says, Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother, well, then you're still in uh, danger of judgment. And other examples included, you know, adultery and um, divorce. But then when we move into Matthew 6, it starts to warn against the corrupt practices of the Pharisees. So um, two sins in particular that the Pharisees really uh, struggled with or lived, I guess, was um, hypocrisy and worldly-mindedness. And these are probably two things that entangles the church more than anything. You know, you think of hypocrisy and it's um, probably one of the things that turn people off the most from the church because often, well, they perceive at least that we preach one thing and live at another standard. Um, 
But so often in Jesus' teaching, he used the Pharisees and the Sadducees as benchmarks for everyone else and to compare themselves to. You know, these are supposed to be the experts in the law, the Jewish law. They're the ones that tell everyone else how to live and, and um, were supposed to set an example of what a godly life looked like. But more often than not, they got caught up in their own piety, you know, their own holiness and um, self-importance and didn't exactly live up to the standards that they'd placed on other people. So in the first half of this chapter, um, it's used to show how the Pharisees would practice their good deeds or righteousness. You know, depending on what um, translations you read, um, good deeds and righteousness was actually just how they were showing the workings of God in their life, how they were living it out publicly. And, um, you know, the Pharisees, they would make a great show of their giving, their prayer and their fasting, to which Jesus labelled them as hypocrites. And um, it's actually around this time that the Greek, well, they were called Greek, they were actors, they were, they were Greek. And the hypocrite, word hypocrite was actually the actors, that they would wear masks and appear to be like somebody else. And that's really where the word that we use today comes from. All right. So I'd like to read now. So starting at verse 1, I'm reading out of the, the NIV to start with. But be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I don't know about you guys, but my Bible puts uh, verses one, and four together, 1 to 4 together. And it's all under the heading of um, giving to the needy. But I really feel after reading it through a number of times and um, reading about prayer and fasting, which follows this passage, I feel like verse 1 should stand on its own. Um, if we read in the, the Passion Translation, um, examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off when you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others. Otherwise, you will lose your reward of your Heavenly Father. So when we take these two translations of the first verse, um, it refers to what they're doing as righteousness and good deeds. And that's where I really feel like that's how you're out working or, out sh or showing your walk with God or following what he's um, asked us to do. But Jesus says, I don't want you to be parading your righteousness so that others can see it and applaud it. You know, he's not interested in what others think of our actions. And he says, if you do, there is no reward in heaven for that act of righteousness, even if it was a good deed. You know, the Pharisees are out there, they're giving, they're praying. These are good things. But it's the motives of the heart that Jesus is interested in. He's not interested in what, what you're going to do. And he says, in actual fact, the Pharisees themselves, they weren't even doing it for God. You know, I was reading in um, on the Matthew Henry commentary, I was going through some of the commentaries and I like the way Matthew Henry put it because he said, it is said that they did not give because of any principle or obedience to God. I was like, well, where did they get this from to start with? Or for the love of man. So they weren't doing it for the people they were giving to either. But it was in pride and vainglory, not in compassion to the poor, but purely for ostentation. 
purely so they could show off their wealth, how good they were, and um, that they might be seen as good men. And, you know, often we see people giving away money, and it's like, yeah, they're doing a good thing, but you've got to look at also the fruit of what their heart is. And um, I was trying to think... Um, I was trying to think of, you know, an example of today um, of perhaps hypocrites or people, you know, making, taking something like uh, giving to people or a social injustice and um, making it more about themselves. And the only thing I could think of was, you know, social media influencers. They, they jump on a, uh, a cause just to get likes, just to boost their, their street cred and... Um, and try and stay in the, in the faces of people so they could still get the glory of people. Um, but there's no reward for this type of performance. You know, in each of these examples, in the giving, in the prayer, in the fasting, Jesus said they have received their reward in full. And when it says full in this text, it actually means that's it, final. There is nothing else to give. There is nothing else to receive for them. Um, They've, they've got it, you know, clap, clap, that's it. There's nothing, nothing more than that. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm, th these were good things that they were doing, okay? Giving in public, sometimes that is the avenue we have to give to actually reach someone. Um, sometimes we have to get up and pray in public to stir up the faith of everyone else around us. You know, there's avenues where that is, that is appropriate, but... Like I've already said, it's the heart that Jesus is actually looking at. But I also like this verse because it implies that there is a reward. You know, it said at the start of verse 1 that um, they will lose the reward of their Heavenly Father, which means that there is a reward to be had. He's got it there waiting for us to give it to us. It says... Um, spot again. Um, in Jeremiah 17.10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Um, one text I was reading, it's put it this way, it says, when we take least notice of our good deeds, God takes most notice of them. You know, when we aren't about putting ourselves out there to be noticed or to, to get the glory of other people, when we're purely doing it to help people, we're do purely doing it because um, God wants us to, then God takes notice when it's not about us. So there, you know, there's several parables throughout the Bible that Jesus spoke of that include a reward. And the, the one that comes to mind for me is the parable of the sheep and the goats. You know, the sheep were the righteous and the goats were those that hadn't followed what um, God said. And it comes to, you know, the end and the king says to the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You know, and, and it goes on to say, you know, because um, you, you clothed me when I needed to be clothed, you fed me when I needed to be fed. And the sheep respond going, when did we do these things? You know, we, we just, we lived our lives and we didn't take notice, but we, like, we don't remember those things. And he goes, well, well you did this to the least of my people. So you were doing it for me. So God takes notice, even when we maybe don't, of what we are doing. 
He's always measuring our hearts. Um, I don't know about you, but I want my deeds to deserve a good reward. I don't want to be caught up on selfish acts and um, self-promotion. I mean, we all do it at some point. Um, I was going to think of an example there, but I can't. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to promote myself, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, what do the re- I guess what do the rewards of heaven look like? You know, I was, I was trying to really, you know, is there an example in the Bible um, where it says, you know, he's going to give you riches or he's going to give you things? But um, I think rather than actual things, I took away from it that firstly, they're from the Father himself. And it's not like a, it's a payment. You know, you've done your services here, I'm paying you for them. It's, uh, it's more that um, he wants to reward you. You know, a good father wants to reward his kids, whether they have, um, you know, earned it or not. It's often freely given. Um, the second thing is they are eternal. You know, you might see reward in the here and now. You might, you know, you bless someone and you might receive unexplained blessing in your own life. You might, um, hey, you pray for someone and you see them healed. Well, that's a reward right there for your faithfulness in praying for them. But um, they're also eternal. And sometimes you won't see that reward until you reach eternity. You know, Luke 14, 14, it talks about... um, that the, uh, what is it, the, um, the righteous will receive their crown of righteousness when they achieve, when they enter into heaven, even though that the people that they helped along the way couldn't repay them, something along those lines. But your good, um, your good, rejo- <coughs> sorry guys, your good deeds might even be the result, you know, you bring someone to the Lord, there's a reward, there's an eternal reward right there, their soul is now in heaven. But it might just be simple things like a good name. You have a good name because you're a generous person. People know that you're a generous, whether they know that you give money or not. People will see your generosity on you. In, in yourself, it might just be you have joy because you've helped someone. That's, I think that's a, a great reward. The rewards of our Heavenly Father come from having the pure motives and from carrying out our deeds in a way that isn't self-serving. So moving on, the second sin of the Pharisees that Jesus addressed was that of the worldly-mindedness. And for that, I want to skip over to verse 19 to 24 in chapter 6. And this is the treasures in heaven. I'm sure you've all heard this passage before. You've probably all heard it preached in an in a, a, um, offering message or something like that. So it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures in, on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, 
Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This passage has probably made me squirm a little bit as we've been studying it over the last few weeks. Um, You know, at the start of this year, Rach and I thought we'd jump on the bandwagon of so many other Aussies and do the Barefoot Investor. Um, You know, we want to be good stewards with our money. That was the purpose behind it. But um, we found that as we do it, our, our focus goes from, you know, having a focus on God and what he actually wants for us to worldly possessions, worldly wealth, and, and chasing that stuff too. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with having those things, but it's where your heart is and where you're constantly going, where your mind goes as to, to what you've got to deal with. And, um, you know, for me personally, when my trust, when my faith, or when my hope is in God and in the treasures, and I'm trying to build treasures, whether it's doing things in the church or whether I'm trying to, um, you know, raise a great family who loves Jesus and building those treasures. Um, when I swing to the money side of things, I just find I'm in that trap of, I have this anxiety of having to earn more, you know. I've got to put more away so the kids can go to school in the future, even though, you know, public school is free, pretty much. <laughs> um, but I f- and I find myself fixating on the position I'm in now and where I want to be, and I can't add up, you know, where I am now and where I want to be and how I'm going to cross that bridge. And uh, what I've done is I've taken my eyes off what God can do for me, and I've taken put my eyes on how am I going to do it? How am I going to um, provide for my family? How, out of my strength, am I going to do it? And so, yeah, just reading this passage and going over it over and over, it's like, constantly redirecting, okay, back to God, back to God, store your treasures in heaven. Um, Yeah, so my question for you this morning is, are you chasing earthly treasures for worldly reasons, or are you pursuing treasures of heaven and trusting God for the rest? There's a few points that I, um, I took from this passage, and if the band wants to join me on stage, that'd be great. Number one, what do you consider to be your treasure? You know, I mentioned, obviously, money, gold, silver, jewels, all that kind of stuff we equate with treasure in our heads. Back in the day, in those times, you know, even clothing was considered treasure, you know, a beautiful robe or... um, something ornate clothing that probably signified importance and um, opulence and that's why you get you know your treasure is going to be eaten by moths I mean these days who cares about the moths we throw out our clothes every six months anyway so um, but your treasure might be your family you know I'd probably have if my house was burning down my Lego collection would be high on my priority list (laughs) it's all right right by the door I'll just throw the cupboards out the door and <laughs> deal with it afterwards <laughs> but number two you you know your heart is where your treasure is you, know, you would have all heard this at some point but it's a simple truth if you want to find out what a person's treasures are have a conversation with them 
See what they talk about the most. Because if it's something they value, that's something they're going to talk about. What is your focus? I used to think that verses 22 and 23 about the eyes, I felt like they were out of place in this, or I didn't fully understand the whole context of the passage. But now my understanding of it is, is what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on those heavenly treasures? Are you focusing on what's around you? The eyes are commonly referred to as the window of the soul. And in the context of this passage, that is what they are. If you're focusing on good, godly things, then your body or your soul will be filled with light. But if your focus is caught up in ungodly things, greed, covetousness, worldly treasures, then your body will be full of darkness. And I would have to say that each time I pursue these things, like the generating wealth, that's when I feel anxious. That's when I feel fear. That's when there's darkness inside of me. Number four, you can't be chasing two masters. One's always going to have to give out, whether it's money, whether it's God. Pick one and let the other things just fall into place behind it. And the last thing, which isn't really in here, but what I got from this whole passage is where do you place your trust? I think where you store your treasure is a great indicator of where your trust is. So how many of us, you know, trust the bank with our money? Maybe not after the Royal Commission. But do we trust in our own abilities to protect and create our wealth? You know, do we trust in our, our personal trainers when we go to the gym, keep us in shape? Or are we placing our treasure and our trust in God? Now, I know this morning I've talked a lot about money, talked a lot about giving. That's really come from the passage that I've used, but you know, worldly treasures can be anything, anything that takes your attention away from God. It might be, you know, I mentioned the gym. Being in peak physical condition is a priority for some people and takes them away from the focus of God. I've, I've been in that position before, where, you know, gym, gym, gym. Not anymore. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I went to the gym. I do miss it. But there is other priorities. There are other priorities. And I miss the gym because of those priorities. Or it might be that you want prestige or to be famous amongst men, like the Pharisees did. They did everything to be noticed by man. But when you put God first, you, know, you will have honor. You will be known as a person of good standing. You can have these things. They aren't necessarily evil. But there is so much more to be gained when we place God at number one and pursue His treasures. I'd like you all to stand with me this morning. Just have one last example. It's the story of King Solomon. You know, God said, What do you want? What do you want me to give you when he became king? He said, well, I want, I want wisdom to rule your people, to be a, a good king. And God said, well, because you've asked for this, because you're focused on the important things, I am going to give you the wealth. I am going to give you the power that, I, that you could have asked for in the first place. Why don't we just close our eyes?
like I said at the start, I really want to give people a chance to reflect. And the first thing I want you to reflect on is, are we chasing the praise of man or are we chasing the praise of God in the way we live? What are the motives of our heart in everything we do? And the second thing is, are we putting our trust in God and storing our treasure in heaven or are we letting the things of this world cloud our view get in the way of what God has in store for us.